So please turn your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 8, and we're going to read from verses 22 to 56. Now, we'll be covering a large passage of Scripture this morning, but despite that, let's give uh, full attention to every word that is being spoken, the very words of God, the very words bereaved out by God. So let's read it like no other book. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. One day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out and as they sailed, he fell asleep and a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in the house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded an unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him, and he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break those bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him, and they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter there. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man, entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home, and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of a synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had only a daughter about twelve years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for twelve years, 
and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him and declared in the presence of all people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And while he was still speaking, someone from a ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear. Only believe. And she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James, and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Please pray with me. Well, thank you, Lord, that, Lord, this morning your word is clear. Your word is powerful. And so, Lord, help me this morning to be faithful to your word. Because I come not as one who has mastered your word, but as one who has been mastered by it. So Lord, may your worth go forth in power through me this morning, that I may not taint it or impede it, but that your word would go forth in full power and full force this morning. Oh Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see and ears to listen. I just want to pray particularly for those families with young children, Lord, that you give the gift of miracle that the children will be settled. And Lord, give us this morning a refreshed appreciation of who you are this morning, so that our trust and our faith in you may increase. Lord, do your work in us this morning, we pray. Amen. Well, church, a few weeks ago, uh, a friend of mine told me, um, that his son in his 20s was diagnosed with cancer. And the cancer was growing in his, uh, in his pharynx area, an area behind the nasal cavity. And it's going to be a, a tricky cancer. And life is going to be very different for his son and, and indeed for his family in the coming um, weeks, months, even years ahead. And my heart went straight out to him. And the question is this, you know, how do we find hope in the midst of trials and challenges in life? Well, I came across this website that offered um, some strategies about finding hope in the cancer journey. Let me share with you some of these uh, strategies. Hope through sharing. Some find hope by talking with other people, 
talking with a medical team to build confidence and hope for the future. Loved ones, friends, co-workers can also provide support and bring hope to your situation. Here's another strategy. Look to the future. Some find hope by looking forward to planned events like a child's graduation or a wedding, um, perhaps some work projects or hobbies that may capture your attention and give you a sense of purpose and help you to look to the future when they will be completed. And finally, here's another one. Fact-based research. Now, some prefer to use scientific or evidence-based method to find facts and hope. They may research information about treatment and other cancer topics, seek opinions from medical personnel, or spend time learning about specific cancer topics, treatment options, and so forth through healthcare, journals, or online. Now, I'm not sure how that those uh, strategies resonate with you, but honestly, when I first looked at it, I was kind of shook my head in uh, disbelief because it just seems so superficial. But on further reflection, and if we're honest with ourselves, some of these strategies are in fact what we naturally run to or functionally do. Um, Whether it's cancer or sickness or more generally with um, relationships or or work or health or a way of life. Um, When we face difficulties, those are some of the strategies that we may run to ultimately to find hope in adverse or challenging situations. So for example, we may look to the future to find hope. It may be a weekend away, time with family, the next promotion, the next relationship, or in the current volatile and heated discussions in and around the vaccine passports, we may be looking to find hope for sharing our experiences with those who share our views and shaking our heads in disbelief those who don't agree with our view. Or we may be worried about the virus itself or seemingly unending lockdowns. And we may look for hope in fact-based research, the vaccine, the vaccination rate, or its efficacy or not, as the case may be, as our source of hope. Well, this morning, the good news is we have a far better and superior place to find our hope. And our passage this morning encourages us to trust and find hope in Jesus who has authority over every realm of life. There is no sphere or circumstance in life that is outside of his reach that he is not Lord over. So whatever situation or circumstances you find yourself in, there is never hopelessness with God. And I pray this morning you will live emboldened in your faith towards the one who is the Lord over all. I've entitled today's message, Trusting in the Lord Overall. And I've got three points this morning. Number one, Jesus, Lord over the storms. Jesus, Lord over spiritual forces of the world. Number three, Jesus, Lord over sickness and death. Well, these points follow the three episodes in the flow of our text this morning. And what I hope will become clear as we go through these stories is a divine needle that runs through these episodes, weaving a beautiful tapestry that teaches us to trust and find hope in Jesus, who has authority over every realm of life. So point one, Jesus, Lord over the storms. So starting on verse 22. After a long day of ministry, we read that Jesus and his disciples got into a boat to cross Galilee to the other, to cross from Galilee to the other side. And we are told that Jesus, tired from all his ministry and teaching, he fell asleep. 
it would, it would have been a peaceful early evening, but oh, how quickly things changed. And we are told in verse 23 that a windstorm comes down on the lake, and the next moment, they are filling with water and were in danger. And in their panic, they went to wake up Jesus. So there are two things to note here. First, this is no ordinary storm. And remember, amongst the disciples were trained and seasoned fishermen. They would have been taught through, they'd been through many storms. But this one, they are packing it. This is the storm of their life, so to speak. And it is violent, it's aggressive. Second thing to note, that his disciples before waking Jesus would have tried everything in their power, in their capacity, including their years of knowledge and experience to steer their ship to safety but to no avail. The disciples are desperate and they are afraid. And so in the midst of panic, their hearts racing, muscles sore from scooping water out of the boat, they came to wake Jesus. Master, Master, we are perishing. And it's in the midst of their despair that we witness the most amazing sight. We read in verse 24, And he, Jesus, awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased. Notice here that Jesus doesn't just settle the storm or the waves. He rebuked the storm and the waves. Now, I rebuked my son, Hudson, who's five years old, knowing that I've got full authority to do that. But Jesus here rebukes the, the wind and the waves. And what's even more amazing is that the winds and the waves ceased immediately. Whilst when I exercise my authority over Hudson, my five-year-old, even he may not obey immediately. But here Jesus rebukes the wind and the waves, and they cease immediately, and there was calm. The point is that Jesus is the Lord over the storms and nature, and he has absolute authority over it. He's the one who can say to the wind and the waves, this far and no further. Well, the question this morning, church, is that, are you walking through storms in your life at the moment? And the reality is that in a broken world, storms of life is expected in your life. We shouldn't be surprised. You may be paddling hard and it feels like you're not going anywhere. And you may have been paddling for a while and like the disciples, your arms are tired and your hands are blistered. And you have no idea how long this is going to be and you feel like perhaps you're at an end physically, emotionally, spiritually. And you're grasping for air, for anything that comes your way. Well, in the midst of this, let me draw your attention to what Jesus' very own words in verse 25. Where is your faith? The thing is, the disciples in their ministry of Jesus have witnessed amazing things. They've witnessed Jesus performing miracles, healing the sick. They've witnessed him raising a widow's son from the dead. They've witnessed him healing the blind, healing the demon-possessed. Yet in this moment, the disciples were more focused on the wind and the waves and that their boat is filling up with water. Well, this morning, as you're traveling through the storms of life, where is your faith? Are you prone to be like the disciples, being more focused on the wind and the waves of your life? And do you know the one who holds and sustains the world, holds all governments in his hands, is in your boat. 
Look at him. The one who has authority to stop and rebuke what's going on. So, in the midst of volatile stock markets, tenuous economic conditions or job situations, rocky relationships, whether it's with home, with friends, health conditions, COVID, lockdowns, vaccine passports, the list goes on. Where is your ultimate hope? In the words of Jesus, where is your faith? So church, let us trust and find hope in Jesus, who has authority over every storm of our lives. Point two, Jesus, Lord over the spiritual forces of the world. Let's read with me verse 26. We read that Jesus and his disciples continued on their journey in the boat and sailed across to the country of the Gerasenes. And there they met a man who had demons. And what we can gather from these verses is that the man is in a desperate state. We are told that he's a man from a city, yet, verse 27, for a long time he wore no clothes. He has not lived in the house, but among the tombs, he dwells among the dead, isolated, and people were scared of him. But note the detail that Luke goes on in verse 29. For many a time, it of evil spirits would seize him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break those bonds and be driven by the demon back into the desert. Well, church, what a sad and hopeless picture. And all human efforts are at an end. And despite all the efforts of the townspeople in trying to control the man for his good, the demon would cause the man to break any chains and force him back into the wilderness to live among the tombs, back into a life of despair and isolation. Yet despite the power of the demon and seemingly inability for man to constrain him upon seeing Jesus, the demon-possessed man immediately, immediately falls before Jesus and the demon begs for mercy. What a sight that would have been. The demon that had laughed so pridefully at man breaking any attempt at the townspeople to control him, now comes and falls down and begs at Jesus not to send them into the abyss, but rather to ask for permission from Jesus to go into the pigs, seen as lowly, dirty, dirty animals at the time. And the point is that Jesus is Lord over all evil spiritual forces of the world that attempt to bind and enslave man. Or you may ask, in this 21st century world, this all seems very foreign. It's something out of the Harry Potter world. But I think it's clear in the Bible that spiritual forces are real. Forces that are seeking to act against God and his purposes for mankind. So let's turn with me to Ephesians 2.1. It's also going to be shown on the, on the screen. And it describes the condition that we all were once before we knew Jesus. And we read in verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of a power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Well, church, the truth is that before we were followers of Christ, we were bounded and enslaved by the power of the air, the spirit that is at work, following the forces of darkness 
and the passions of our flesh. The reality is that all of us, before following Jesus, were bounded by its power. Bounded to the power of the flesh and its desires, sins and actions that, like the story of a demon-possessed man, drives us to isolation and despair. So what's it mean for us today? I think for Christians, two things. Firstly, don't buy into the lie that you are still bound by sin. Christ has set you free from a hold of sin. For those under Jesus, we are no longer under the power of sin that leads only to an impoverished and inferior life. Yes, we are still battling sin. As Paul says in Romans 7, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. But church, take confidence that the Lord has broken your shackles free. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. John 8, 36. And you are being transformed into the glory of His Son from one degree to the next. 2 Corinthians three eighteen. Well, secondly, for Christians, there is hope for your friends and loved ones who don't follow Jesus and who seemingly has no appetite for Jesus. Keep praying for them that Christ may break in. How often do we actually frame our approach to our non-Christian friends as a battle against demons and evil forces of the world that is binding them and enslaving them? As we read in the passage, it is. Let's get on our knees and pray and find hope in Jesus, the one who binds the working of the evil one. And know that the demons hear his name and shudder. Now this morning, if you're not following Christ as yet, take heed. Jesus went to the Gerasenes and displayed his authority and people were in fear. The demon-possessed man that the townspeople have been trying to control for so long but to no avail bows down to Jesus. And the townspeople sees the once demon-possessed man in his right mind before Jesus. What an amazing sight. The townspeople's response was to chase him away. And Jesus left. And as as far as we know from the gospel accounts, he never came back. So don't be like the Gerasenes. Heed the warning. And if you recognize Jesus and his authority and his claim over your life this morning, come to him. And be like a man healed of demon possession, responding and coming to Jesus and sitting at the feet of Jesus, seeking to follow him. Don't be like the demon or the townspeople. Even the demon recognized the power of Jesus, saying, Jesus, some of the most got high, but that's nothing with it. The townspeople recognized Jesus, but chased him away. If you want to follow Jesus today, please come and speak to you know, me or any of the members of a pastoral team or email info at softgrade.org.au. We'd love to have a chat with you. So this morning, church, whether you're a Christian or not yet to follow Christ, our passage encourages us to trust and find hope in Jesus to his authority over every spiritual force of the world. And know that nothing, not past sins, not present circumstances, nor any forces that are seeking to bind can come in the way of you or your loved ones from responding to Jesus today. Point three, Jesus, Lord over sickness and death. Well, upon leaving the Gerasenes, Jesus returns to Galilee, where we read in verse 40 that the crowd is already there, and they were all waiting for him. 
than a man named Jairus, a ruler of a synagogue. Now in those days, a ruler of a synagogue, Jairus, would belong to the upper echelons of societies, well-respected, well-connected, with substantial privileges. So what we then see is extraordinary. That Jairus, ruler of a synagogue, gets his knees dirty and falls to Jesus' feet. Synagogue rulers don't get their knees dirty, especially not in public. And you can imagine, this is a jaw-dropping moment for the crowd. We find out why in verse 42. It's because his only daughter, who's 12 years old, is dying. Her sweet life is about to be snuffed out. Well, Jairus, despite all his power and privileges, is at an end of doing all he can humanly do to save his daughter and to no avail. She is dying. And he's a man, desperate, in despair. And he comes to Jesus. Well, the good news is, Jesus goes with him. Bad news, the crowd presses in. Onlookers, onlookers really wanting to not miss anything that Jesus is doing. And it must have been excru- excruciating for Jairus of a slow going. It's a perfect modern day example of an ambulance stuck in traffic. But to further Jairus' dismay, in God's providential arrangement, the story takes another turn. For there was another person in desperate need. And this narrative pauses on Jairus and turns the attention to the woman. Verse 43, we are told that she has had a discharge of blood for 12 years, 12 long years. And we look on with me as Luke paints out in amazing detail. And though she has spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She spent everything, all that she had, on her condition. But yet, it's not getting better. So we read this woman snucks up on Jesus to touch his cloak, albeit based on mistaken faith with the hope of getting better, getting healed. But bear in mind also, that the religious people of the day would have been very upset if they knew that she was amongst them because of her bleeding condition under Levitical law, she would have been unclean. And anyone who she touches and comes in contact with, they would have been unclean also. And because of the condition of a woman, we also know that she is someone who is isolated, not only physical, but emotionally and spiritually too. So the thing is, the woman took a risk, but she was desperate. And upon touching Jesus' cloak, Jesus felt power left him, and she was healed. Immediately. And Jesus calls her out. She wanted to hide, but she was called out by our Saviour. And Jesus spends time ministering to her. And Jesus gave her hope, and restored her physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And what we see is that Jesus is the Lord over sickness and meets our deepest needs spiritually and emotionally as well. Well, while Jesus was still speaking, the story zooms back to Jairus and the story takes yet another turn. And unfortunately, for the worse, verse 49, whilst Jesus was still speaking, 
someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. If we pause right there, can you imagine what would have gone through Jairus' head? Stupid woman! Jesus, if you only didn't stop for the woman, you might have made it home in time and healed my daughter. And oh, it's all too late now. Well, good for the woman. But now my daughter is dead. So what? Well, verse 50, at the height of the unbelief, it's as if Jesus looks Jairus right in the eye. Jairus, don't go there. Look at me. And out comes one of the sweetest, most beautiful words from our Saviour. Do not fear. Only believe. And she will be well. Then perhaps comes one of the most longest walk back to the house for Jairus. Palms wet. Hearts pulsating. But I think the situation escalates. As they enter the house, all they could hear was the weeping and the crying. And the reality must be hitting home that she is dead. And as they walk in amongst all the weeping and mourning, Jesus said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And the weeping quickly turns to mocking and people laughing at Jesus. Oh, how tempting it would have been for Jairus. Jairus, what are you on? You believe that? But Jesus' words remain. Do not fear. Just believe. She will be well. Then Jesus takes the girl by the hand and with just two words, Child, arise. Her spirit returned and she got up at once. Not a second was wasted on Jesus' words. Her parents were amazed and witnesses one of the most glorious miracles and hope is restored. Church, Jesus, no doubt, has authority over sickness and death. Well, church, this morning, are you or one of your loved ones walking through sickness? It may be one that is uncertain and maybe even a sickness that has no expiry date. And like a woman, you may have tried over many years, many methods and spent lots of money, but to no end. And you're wondering, am I ever going to get better? Is God going to heal me? Does he care? My friends, a woman spent 12 years suffering and she had no idea. And if ever it was going to end. But know this, every year of suffering has been ordained by our sovereign God. So that in the moment, her sickness leads to two amazing things. One, she gets to see Jesus in all his marvellous glory. The one with the authority to heal sickness that is far beyond the capacity of any man. And second thing, it causes her to marvel at him, at Jesus, and to know that he cares for her, an unknown lady, and that he has authority over her sickness. And church, the truth is that every year that she suffered is coming to the climax that she will personally be ministered by our King and our Saviour. 
So church, have faith in God's perfect timing for you. He can and would heal in an instant. And he can and we should pray for that. But equally, that may not be now. And you can have trust and faith in Jesus who is Lord over the most deadliest and trickiest of sickness. To know that sickness does not and will not ever thwart his good and perfect plan for you. However, the sad reality of living in a broken world is that instead of healing like that experienced by a woman in the present world, we may have to resonate more with the experience of Jairus' daughter. And this is hard words, but in all his good and loving and all-knowing providence, you will not recover from your current sickness. And your physical life on this earth may come to an end with this illness. But the good news is this, just like Jairus' daughter, even though you die, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's a few years' time, whether a a few decades from now, For those who trust Jesus, you will rise again. In church, we have this confidence because 2,000 years ago, rather than Jairus' only daughter succumbing to death from a sickness, we have God's only son, Jesus, who lived the perfect life, succumbing to death on a cross from the sins of the world. He willingly died once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. He paid the penalty for our sin and God's righteous anger towards sin and rebellion has been fully paid. His wrath was been fully poured out on Jesus on the cross so that in all that he did on the cross, he reconciled man and God. But Jesus didn't stay there. Three days later, the tombs could not hold him and he arose and Jesus shows his ultimate Victory over Satan, over sin, over sickness, and over our ultimate enemy, death itself. So today, my friends, for those who follow Jesus, we can look death in the eye and say, where is thy sting? The point is, Jesus is Lord over all, and we can put our trust and our faith in the one who is Lord over all realms of life. So whatever circumstances you find yourself in this day, there is never hopelessness with God. Because in Jesus we have one who has ultimate authority over every realm of life. In Jesus we have a living hope, a hope that is kept in heaven for you. So let me me end with this beautiful passage from 1 Peter 1, starting from verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance, oh this is waiting for us, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, 
more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So saints, be emboldened. Our King Jesus has authority over every realm of life. We can trust and put our faith in Him. He is Lord over every storm of your life. He is Lord over every lost soul that we love and yearn to know Christ. He is Lord over every sin that seeks to bind us. He is Lord over every sickness that seeks to rob us of joy in this world. And He is Lord over even death. Because, my friends, on the cross He has conquered. On the cross He is victorious. And so this morning, church, you can trust and put your faith in Jesus, the one who is Lord over every realm of life, every circumstance of life. We can trust and find hope in him, a hope that supersedes any hope that the world has to offer. Please pray with me. Well, Father, Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that through the, the three episodes, the four stories, Lord, that it is clear that Lord Jesus, the one who brought the world into being, that spoke the world into being, has authority over every realm of life. Lord, at this day that we have you, Lord, behind us. And so therefore, Lord, we can have ultimately perfect faith in you because you alone, Lord, are worthy. You are the object of our faith. And we can trust in you. So Lord, for those in our midst that are going through, Lord, temptation of, of, of unbelief, to know Jesus' words, to believe him, and that Lord, one day we'll know that we will rise again as our ultimate hope, our ultimate living hope, to know that Lord, we have an inheritance that has been guarded by you, awaiting us. May that Lord be our ultimate hope this day. We Thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.